Welcome to the Halakha Hour here live on J-Root Radio. Wednesday afternoon, July, what are we doing today? What's the date today? July 8th, thank you very much. July 8th, this is the Halakha Hour. We're starting a little bit late, Jewish time, classic. Okay, anyway, we are in the middle of the Halakhot of Mukseh. Today, Mazat Hashem, we have a little bit of a special. We're supposed to speak last week about the three weeks. We will speak about them this week, Mazat Hashem, today. About the three weeks. But before we get to the actual class, let's begin with a little bit of an introduction. Yes, we do have to say this every single time. So you'd have to keep on reminding me, Abotai. We have to say this every single time to remind everybody how to listen to the class. JRootRadio.com. That's how you can listen online. You can also watch it online. There's live streaming. You can see me waving hi to the camera right now. You can also call in and listen on the phone at 712-432-4217. Or 718-506-9099. You could call in, even in the middle of the class, if you have a question that's on the subject that we're speaking about. Which is either, we'll be speaking about either the halakhot of Mukseh, specifically Mukseh Mahmat Hasron Kis, and uh, perhaps even food that's Mukseh. Or the three weeks, then you can call in, I'll give you the number. If not, I'm not going to give you the number. So here's the number, 718-683-5858. And the text number is 347-927-8398. Text, you can text whatever you like. You can text hi, and you can text a question. And Mazat Hashem will respond, hopefully, by the end of the class. Unless it's something, again, that's nogea, that's relevant to what we're speaking about, then we'll respond right away. To call in with any question that you would like after the show, the number is the same. 683-5858 will announce it at the end of the, of the show. We'll be here for a few more minutes. If you have any questions that you'd like to ask after the show, we are here live with Nassin. Well, Hashem, we got the name correct this week. Who's here with us? So he's taking in all the phone calls. If you call in, just say hi to him, please. Okay. We are up to part six in the laws of Mukseh. We're in the parasha, in the Benish High, in Parashat Muketz, speaking specifically about the laws. Here it's Halakha Hey. About the laws of Mukseh Mahmat Hasron Kis. Mukseh Mahmat Hasron Kis is right up there. It's probably the most severe form of Muks, category of Mukseh. Well, what I mean to say the most severe, I'm just translating the Hebrew word. The Hebrew word is the most Hamur. What it means is that the laws of how you could handle it on Shabbat are the most stringent. Unlike Klisifaktolesu, which is permitted to move in specific cases like not so when it comes to the category of Muqseh known as Hasron Kis, Muqseh Mahmat Hasron Kis. Muqseh Mahmat Hasron Kis cannot be moved for anything. Now let's talk about Kamal, now let's talk even if you need it or even if you want to protect the item, you're not allowed to move it. What is Muqseh Mahmat Hasron Kis? So last week we gave the definition and we went into it a little bit more, a little bit deeper. Let's just review very quickly. Mukseh Mahmat Hasron Kis is Mukseh is a, is, a, is a type of keli. It has to be keli first of all. And specifically most Aharonim rule that it has to be also keli shemlachtole isur, which means its main function is something that's for Benon Shabbat. And you are so careful that you'll never use this item besides what the purpose it's made for. If the item is made, for example, we gave an example, let's say electronics. You have a smartphone. You have the iPhone 6. That's a 
real, really, really smart phone, and that's a very expensive phone. I think it goes up to $800, $1,000. You paid a lot of money for it, and you are very, very careful from using it for anything else. You're careful from giving it to anybody else. It's not like the house phone. The house phone, like we said, could be thrown around. Both phones, the house phone and the cell phone, are made for something that's Asura on Shabbat, to dial, to make phone calls with it. That's Asura on Shabbat. But obviously, one is much more careful with the cell phone, much more than the house phone. This doesn't mean that just because you're more careful with the cell phone more than the house phone, it makes the on keys. No. Even without the house phone. Being that people are very careful with their cell phones, they put cases on it, they're very careful when it's left alone, they're careful that it shouldn't spill any water on it, they'll only use it for what it's made for, they won't let kids play with it without, you know, hashgaha, without supervision. So therefore, it becomes Muqseyim Ahmad Hassan Kis, which means, I come home on Shabbat, and I see that I forgot my cell phone, my iPhone 6, I don't have iPhone by the way, but if I forgot my iPhone 6 on the table, I can't move it. I can't move it in a normal way. Even if I need to place something in that spot, I cannot move it. Even if I want to use the cell phone as a paperweight, cannot move it, cannot. I am not allowed to move it on Shabbat. Now, let's continue where we left off. In the Benish Hai, last week we mentioned, Benish Hai talks about blank paper. Regarding blank paper, regular pieces of paper, Benish Hai says what a lot of the harim hold, that the paper is hashub, then it becomes muqseem ahmad tasson case. Why? Let's analyze. Piece of paper, blank piece of paper. What is it made for? It's made to write. Since it's made to write, or to write on it, so therefore, this is a kli, it's a piece of paper, it's a kli, it's a utensil, that's made for something that's a soran shabbat. It's made so somebody could write on it, so the printer could type on it. Therefore, a, a uh, piece of paper should be, first of all, first step, it's muqseem because kli shemlachtole isur. Its main function is for isur. Can I move it on Shabbat? And the answer, a lot of Ahronim say, it depends. Being that you, depends on the paper actually. In those days, a blank piece of paper was something very, very special. It's kind of like a cloth. You know what a cloth is? It's a parchment that they write the mezuzah on, or they write the tefillin on it, or even a sefer Torah, that's a bigger piece of cloth, it's just a different piece of cloth. A cloth, let's, you know, let's analyze, let's, let's work with cloth, and then we'll come back to the piece of paper. A cloth, which is a parchment that the sofer, a scribe, that writes a sefer Torah on it. A big, big piece of paper. Even though there's a lot, and technically if something gets dirty, or, or, or you know, unusable, you can rip it apart, and then you can make from that a cloth for tefillin. Still, a person, the sofer is very careful. He's not, you know, if his kids need scrap paper, or if he needs to wrap his avocados so they could be ripe, or he needs to, whatever it is, to wrap the glass cups so they shouldn't fall on the, on the floor and break, he's not going to use the cloth. It's much more expensive than that. Therefore, the cloth becomes mukse mahmat hasonkis. It's made to write on it, which is kris maktol isur, and, and a person is very careful from using it from, for anything else. So let's look at our blank papers. Our papers in the house, do we use them for the... Are we so careful with them? The usage didn't change. Papers, blank papers are made for us to write on it. But the question is, how careful are we with them? So I believe, what I wrote over here, regular loosely paper, you have two types. This is again, you should know. Muqseh Mahmat Hasson Kis depends on you. You mean to say each single person individually. Depends on your budget and depends on how 
much money, how careful you are with money, or uncareful you are with money, or valuable things. It's all depend on the person. It doesn't mean if a person is very rich, less things will be muqsamahmatasrukis. Sometimes it's the opposite. It's all, it's a personality type. Some people are careful with important things, some people are not. They don't care. So let's say, let's give you an example, loose leaf paper. It doesn't make a difference what you buy them for, but uh, you're a type of person that you're very careful. Once you have loose leaf paper, you know, I'm talking about blank loose leaf paper, you only use it for writing, or sometimes if you want to make a paper airplane, you'll take it and make a paper airplane. Sometimes you need to wrap something, you use it. It's paper, come on. So if you're that type of person that couldn't care less to use a loose leaf paper for anything, you need to just, you know, you just rip out a piece of paper for anything. You're not careful from using it for other purposes besides writing. Then loose leaf paper is a klisha mahtole isur, but it's not muksim ahmad, that's wrong keys. You may, that means, if you have your loose leaf paper on your table, and you want to, if you have a piece of paper on the pa- if a piece of loose paper on on your table, and you want to move it out of the way because you want to place something there, you need a litzorik mekomor. You're allowed to move it for you. Depends who you are. But if you're the type of person that's very makpid, that's very careful. I don't say the word stingy. Stingy is not correct, right? But you're very careful. You're very careful from using loose leaf paper for anything besides writing. And you know what? This, I'll tell you personally, I don't buy this, but I would treat, you know, this a certain special type of paper, uh, loose leaf paper, it's, it's, I think they call it reinforced paper, where the sides, the margin where the holes go into the loose leaf, they're, you know, like they're like taped, and they're stronger than regular paper, and you can't rip them out. It's also more expensive. I'm much more careful with that. If my kids need a paper airplane, I'm not going to give them that paper. If I need to wrap my avocados, I'm not using that paper over there. If I need to wrap something, I'm not using it. Emergency, okay, fine. But otherwise, no, I'm careful with those papers. So then for me, and if you're like me also as well, that's a, a good thing, by the way. If you're like me, then you're also going to have the same status on that piece of paper. Your regular loose paper will be you can move it. Let's talk about let's go for. But the reinforced paper will be considered if it's lying around, I may not move them. The same goes with printing paper. We we have a, a printer in the house, a photocopy machine, it's all you know all in one. And we use them for different types of things. You know, we, I mean, not different types of things. We print from that p- printing paper. But my kids take from them all the time to make pictures, draw pictures, or what they call pictures. You know, they scribble on them. We go through pieces of paper much more than toilet paper. You know what I'm saying? It's, it just goes. And yes, I would like that this piece of paper should be only reserved for um you know, for, for printing, let them use the back of, you know, you get all this mail in the in snail mail, I'm talking about the regular mail, you get all these advertisements and all these sadaka things, so you want to use the back of those papers, they're also blank, let them use that to color, they don't listen, they like to use a nice, neat, clean one from Staples, you know, those are the ones that they like to use, okay, I'm not so mockbit on it, but guess what, there's colored paper, I am mockbit on it. I don't let them use the color paper. This colored printing paper, that no, I will not let them. If they take, they take without permission, but I'm very marked on it. So therefore, 
the halakha for me, and again, if you're the same type, but you just, you know, obviously adjust it to the type of paper. If you have printing paper, which you don't care that you make paper airplanes, and I've done that. I think sometimes I, I wanted to show my kids how to make paper airplanes, and I took a piece of paper, and I don't wait for the mail to come in. It's okay, I used it. And then I made a paper airplane, and we threw it. It's great, okay. Flying, wow, okay. That's going to make the status of my regular printing paper as mukseh, because klis isur only, which means it has times where it's permitted to move. However, the expensive one, the cold one in my case, is now mukse mahmat hasron kis. I may not move it if I see it lying around, and I don't want my kids to get to it. I don't want them to make paper airplanes out of it on Shabbos or just on any day of the week. If it's Shabbos, I cannot move them. I have to make sure I move them in an indirect way, as we explained in the past. Another halakha related to this also for paper is what about if you have a combination? Now we mentioned, let's say in my case, we have reinforced paper, which for me is Muqseh Mahmat Hasan Kis. Okay? But I have a loose leaf, and I have inside the loose leaf papers that I have used, where I've written on it my notes, my Hadushay Torah, whatever I mean. I wrote on it things which I'm allowed to read on Shabbat. I'm pointing that out, which I'm allowed to read on Shabbat because as we learned earlier in earlier Parashiyot, not everything could be read, not everything could be used to read on Shabbat, right? Not everything could be read on Shabbat. So therefore, now what I did is, I have loose leaf paper inside, which is blank, and loose leaf paper, which is used. But remember, all the loose leaf paper inside is hashubi. It's from the expensive one, which I'm very careful to use. So in that case, my loose leaf has become now a holder for and my loose leaf has become now a holder for something which is mutar, that's the used paper, I'm allowed to read those notes on Shabbat and something that's asumukse mahmat hasron kis, which is the blank paper what's the halakha in this case? can I read, can I move my loose leaf to read the, obviously, I'm not going to look at blank, but I'm moving now the loose if I'm automatically moving the blank papers, which are Moksim Ahmad Keys. What if it's, that's the majority? So the halakha in this case is that we don't, this loose has become a basis. Uh, it's hard to translate basis. We are going to talk about the halakhot of basis in Bashar Vayigash. I don't want to go into it so much right now, but just rem- try to remember this term. Basis le dabar ha'asur mutar. It's a, I guess, a basis. Um, it's it's a it's a place which is holding something that's forbidden asur. Uh, forbidden asur is the same word. Sorry, it's a place that's holding something that's asur and mutar, forbidden and permitted. In this case, we go. What's more important to me now? What's more important to me now is that I want to read my notes. It's much more important to me than the reinforced paper, which is muksim ahmad keys. Therefore, I'm allowed to move the whole loose leaf. Even if I have much more blank papers, even if I only filled up two pages, but I need to look at it. I need to know what to say on the Shabbat table. I have a nice hadush on parashat and pinhas, and I want to sit on the table, and all I have is one piece of paper that's filled in. It's fine. I could do it. However, in such a case, in such a case, the Haronim point out that if it's possible, it's not such a big burden, to remove the papers, let's, let's say in such a case, where the majority, I only have two pieces of paper that I need, so take out the pieces of paper that, I need, that, that you need from before Shabbat, and you can read them on Shabbat, but 
if it's too much for you to do every week to sit there and undo, or let's say you have a lot of pieces of paper that you need and to sit there and take out all of them and you make sure you put them back in the right place, or if you're worried that if you remove them from the loose leaf, they might get ruined, they might get lost, you don't have to drive yourself nuts. It's only preferable, if you can, that a person should make sure that he should prepare himself from before Shabbat and he shouldn't come to Shabbat and move it. Next halacha, next um, point in the Muqseh Mahmat Hasson case is something we mentioned in other categories of Muqseh, but we want to know now Muqseh Mahmat Hasson case. Question is, okay, you know what? Let's answer a few texts over here before we get too much text, and this way we get uh, we answer you as you're listening. Okay, is an unplugged charger Muqseh? An unplugged charger muksay. Depends. Is it iPhone or Samsung? No, I'm kidding. Is an unplugged charger muksay? Let's analyze. What is, we have to categorize, first of all, the charger. What is the charger made for? To charge. Is charging mutar on Shabbat? The answer is no. You're allowed to have it being charged from before Shabbat into Shabbat, but you can't use it now on Shabbat to charge. Correct? Yes, it's correct. So therefore, a charger is eklis mnachtole isur. Okay, the question now becomes, is it more than that? Is it also Muqseh Mahmat Keys? And that the question is on you. How careful are you with your charger? Of course, the charger is only made to charge. And you can't do much with it. I'm not, I don't expect you to use it for jump rope, but to let your kids use it for jump rope, right? Or to tie down your, the boxes on top of your car with your charger. Because it's not made for that. And just because you don't use it doesn't make it Muqseh Mahmat Keys. But there are chargers and there are chargers. Personally, I'll tell you, I have a charger... I really love this charger. It's a Samsung charger, and it charges a whole phone in two hours. It's unbelievable. Like, you blink, and all of a sudden, it goes up from, like, you know, 10% to 20%. It's unbelievable. I, lo- I love this charger. They have another charger that's like, you know, the turtle and the rabbit. You know, it's like the turtle. You know, it'll come back the next morning, and it went up 5%. <laughs> it's one of those. I have a lot of those hanging out in the house. I really couldn't care less about my chargers in the past. Recently, when I came across this charger... I'm very careful. When I, after I finish using it, I put it away. I don't want anything to happen to it. So my situation, that charger, the, the good charger, is Muqseh Mahmat Tesson Keys. I'm very careful with it, personally. Because remember, Muqseh Mahmat Tesson Keys is custom-made by you. Or, you know, you decide if it is or not. How careful are you? But if you're really not, not so careful with the charger of where it is, where it's lying around, after you finish charging, you leave it plugged into the wall or in the kitchen, and okay, it'll be on the floor, drag on the floor, you couldn't care less about it? So then you're right, for you, it's still mukseh because it's a klisimachtole sur. But if you would see your charger on your table, on your Shabbat table, and you want to place a plate over there, you're allowed to pick up the charger and... Remove it and put it whatever you like. If not, if you're very careful, that's Muqseh Mahat Tesson Keys. You can't move it for anything else. Um, one more question and we'll come back to our case. Um, my wife uses paper under the plates as decoration. Is it okay? Okay. Paper under the plates as decoration is okay. The question is like this. I'm assuming, I'm just guessing because I need more information. If you're here, I'll analyze you a little bit more. Basically what it is, is they're taking paper, it seems to be colored paper, and they're putting it under the plates, I guess on Shabbos, on Shabbat, as the decoration looks nicer. Is that mutar or not? Well, you tell me. Not every colored paper now becomes mukseh. We have to look at the purpose of the paper. Seems, from the question, that the paper is made that should be as a decoration. Could you place a decoration on Shabbat 
The answer is, yeah, what are you doing? What is the Isur? Placing decoration. Looking nice? What's the problem with looking nice on Shabbat? Making your table look nice on Shabbat. It's not makeup, right? <laughs> You're putting decorations on the table. It's fine. Just because it's paper, don't get moved by it. Look at the purpose of the item, not what the item is. If the item is made for decorations, which is Mutar on Shabbat, so then this paper has a deen, has the laws of of which you allow to move as long as you have any sort of reason, even if you want to move it for the protection of the item. Which means you finish your meal, your plates are picked up, and now the paper is just lying there. You can pick it up and move it and place it wherever you like because you want to use these papers again for next week. If that's what you mean by the question. If you mean something else, please uh, let me know if you mean something else. Okay, next question. Can we tell a goy to move Muqsim Ahmad Hasron Kis? Let's come back to the classic case of Muqsim Ahmad Hasron Kis. I have a shahita knife. Okay, or let's use the iPhone. It's more practical. Nobody, uh, If you have a shahita knife, you know, I'm not worried about you uh, so much. <laughs> leaving it on the Shabbat table. And if you are, oh boy. Okay, anyway, you have your iPhone 6. Not 4. You know, the 4, I don't think is Muqsim Ahmad Hasron Kis. You have your iPhone 6, and now it's on the... By that was a joke. Please don't quote me as a halakha. The iPhone 6 is on the table. And now the question is as follows. I want to, I, I can't move it, you told me. I, I want to move it, I want to protect the item. Can I tell a goy to, you know, I have a housekeeper, let the housekeeper pick up the phone and place it wherever I need it to be placed. Is that permitted on Shabbat or not? Okay? And what if I don't want to use, I don't want to protect the phone. I just don't want it on the table. I'm done using the Shabbat table. I'm not using it. I finished my uh, Shabbat day meal. And now I want to move it because it just doesn't look nice. I don't need to use a place. But I want to use it. I want to move it. So, let's tell you a little bit of a background. We mentioned in the past, when it comes to Kriyush Mechtole Isur, there's a Ramah in Semen Rashain Vav, where he says that you could tell the Goy to move a light Right to carry the light inside of a room. Let's say you need to go to a certain room in the house, and you had a candle, and there's no light in that in that basement. Let's say where you wanted to go to, you could tell the goy here, Mister Goy, please pick up the light and come with me to the basement. I need to see something. That's mutar. So you see, according to the Ramah, you're allowed to tell a goy to move an item that's mukseh on Shabbat, and we explain then why you're allowed to move it. However, you should know there are Many, many, many different posts came on this. It's a big, big mahlokit on this. Because some explain that that heter of the Ramah is only limited, that heter is only limited to Klis Mechtol Isur. Not by your iPhone 6, which is Mukseh Mahmat Hasron Kis. And there are others who say, even that heter of the Ramah, which is telling the Goy to move a Klis Mechtol Isur, or let's say even those who do permit Mukseh Mahmat Hasron Kis, it's only. Mutar, it's limited to specific people. Not everybody can just go ahead and do this. You can't just allow this. That means, I can't tell you it's mutar on the radio because it's only mutar to specific people. And the Rav has to know when these people come to him, which people he can permit it or he cannot permit it. And then there are those who say that Muqsim Ahmad Tesron Kis, even if you want to tell me it's permitted to tell a goy to move it, you can only move it, let's talk make a move with Gufo, which means I need to place something on the table, I need to put my plate in, in the place where my iPhone is, and I can't do it because my iPhone is there, so then I can tell the goy to move it. But I can't tell the goy to move it because I want my table to look nicer, or because I 
want, uh, what's it called, that I want to protect my phone. And then there are others who say that moving the mukseh, which is Mahmat Hassan Kis, should follow the rules of we learned about in the Goy, that means Shbut to Shbut Bimkom Mitzvah or Hefsed Gadol, which means Mukseh is Asumidir Banan. Uh, commanding a goy to do something that you cannot do on Shabbat is also Asudir Banan. That makes it Shbut the Shbut. Shbut the Shbut is permitted only if it's for a sick person. In this case, we don't have anybody who's sick, right? And it's also permitted in a Makom where there's Hefsed Gadol. It's a big loss. Possibly that the iPhone 6 could possibly be a big loss, or because of a mitzvah. Over here, I don't know what the mitzvah is. You know, you're having an iPhone, <laughs> protecting it. I don't know what the mitzvah is. But whatever it, is, whatever it may be, those poskim rule that should be treated as shbut to shbut, and therefore you have to apply the rules of shbut to shbut. And what should we say? Okay, now I confuse everybody with all the different opinions. Bottom line, Muqseh Mahmat Kis. The answer is, one should be stringent. Like the last thing that we said, only in Makom Shbut Shbut. And there are many sources to see Rabotai in all these different opinions. Once, one, somebody who wants to look inside, I'll, you could call in, I'll tell you more, but basically look in Shohan Aruch Arav, Malatanya, Primegadim, Shaverura. There's a lot of different opinions, different places in Shohan, in the Halakha, in Shohan Aruch, where you could see this subject in depth. We just wanted to come out with the Halakha, and that is, don't move Mukseh Mahmat Hasan Kis, even Ali Goy, even through a Goy, unless you have a big loss or because of a mitzvah. Next, something also related to Mukseh, Mukhlis Mahtole Isur. We mentioned that if you picked up Mukhlis Mahtole Isur by accident, the Magen Abraham says, okay, you were not supposed to pick it up. But now that it's in your hand, you don't have to drop it right away. You can take it and move it and place it wherever you like. Just like if you pick it up, meaning if I pick up the hammer from the table, I don't have to drop it right away. I picked it up on the table, I place my plates on the table. Once the hammer is in my hand, I can take it to wherever I like. Question now, what about Muqsim Ahmad Tesson Kis? Can I do the same Muqsim Ahmad Tesson Kis? Can I pick up the Muqsim Ahmad Tesson Kis in my hand and drop it off wherever I like? So again, Abraham is consistent in his psaq, and he says, just like Lish Makhtole Isur, if you picked it up by accident, you could drop it off wherever you like. Likewise, when it comes to Muqsim Ahmad Tesson Kis, if you picked it up by accident, you may drop it off wherever you like. He brings a proof from a case where a person was coming in on Shabbat, Friday afternoon, Adam Shabbat, excuse me, not on Shabbat, Adam Shabbat, he's coming in on Friday afternoon, and he has his bag of money in his hands, and now Shabbat comes in. So now, a bag of money is Mukseh. And it's Mukseh, as we're going to learn, it's Mukseh Nahmat Gufo, you're not allowed to move it. And still you see that al permits you, you don't have to drop off your, drop your money right on the spot, since it's in your hands, it came in your hands before Shabbat, and now, Shabbat, it's still in your hands. You can continue holding it and taking it to where you need to take it. That's Magin Abraham's opinion. However, some Ahronim disagree with this proof. The Gra, Tosefet Shabbat, they all hold that the heter of moving something that's already in your hands by accident is limited only to Isur. Meaning, only in the case of the hammer and the like, which is Klishmachtol Isur, if I picked it up by accident, then... I have permission to drop it off wherever I like. Other things, I have to drop it off wherever I want. 
Oh, you're going to tell me the case of the wallet, the case of the money bag that's in my hands from before Shabbat. The halakha says clearly over there, you're allowed to drop it off. And the answer to that, they say, it's only because it was done, it was, it was a special heter that the hachamim gave. There's a special category of heterim where hachamim say, hetiru sofam, which means we permit it because a person might come to a bigger avira if we don't permit him. If you don't tell, if you tell the guy you you have to drop your money right away, if Adam Shabbat was scared that he's going to do something worse, he might end up, you know, doing a bigger issue, carrying on Shabbat and other things. So therefore, they allowed that to avoid a bigger issue. So there was a special exception in that case. You can't use that as a proof. So what do we do? Who are we to follow? Since it's a mahlokit, like we said in general, one has to try to be mahmir, especially in laws of mukseh, although we say safek hakel, but we try to always be mahmir in laws of mukseh, and if it came to your hand, unless it's something that's really, really expensive, that if you drop it, it's going to fall and break, let's say by mistake, you forgot yourself, you saw your iPhone 6, and people are coming in by mistake, you picked up, and it's in your hands already, and you, oh, somebody reminds you, Mommy, Abba, this is Mukseh Mahat Kis. Didn't you hear the rabbi on the radio, that guy on the radio on Wednesday? He said you can't, you can't pick up an uh, iPhone 6. It's Mukseh Mahat Kis. Had it been iPhone 4, okay, but it's not. So in that case, what do you do? So if you drop it, it might break. And not might break, it probably will break. And there's no warranties on the broken screen, I think, with, uh, <laughs> with iPhone 6. So what are you going to do? In that case, you could rely on the Matilim, you could rely on the Magid Abraham. But otherwise... Uh, you should, you know, if it's something that's really not going to break, nothing, not much is going to happen to it, it's just a little bit of inconvenience, put it down right away, pick it up with your elbows, move it in an indirect way, we call it the Tumun and this way, you can be Yotzeh according to all opinions. That is the bottom line. <clears throat> Mila, now, one last point about Muqseh Mahat, before we move on to the next halakha, because we really have to go on to the laws of the three weeks. Last point by Muqseh Muhammad Tesonkis, and that is a Brit Mila on Shabbat. What's the problem? Nothing. Baruch Hashem, Mazatov. Okay, do it. We'll do what you like. Brit Mila on Shabbat, we have to deal with the Halchot of Muqseh. Because in order to circumcise, you need to use the special knife that the Mohel has. We've explained in the past, as all the poskim bring down, that the Mohel's knife on Shabbat is Muqseh Muhammad Tesonkis. Why? Let's analyze. You should figure out right away. What's the Mohel's knife made for? The answer is to cut. What is it made to cut? <laughs> the skin. Is it mutar to cut skin on Shabbat? No. Ah, but it's a mitzvah. You're right. In this special case, it's mutar. But in general, it's not mutar. Right? Correct. So it's a klishim lachtole isur. Good. But it's more than that. Because the Mohel's knife, which we call, is, which we call in Hebrew the ismal, is not made... For anything else. And people who own such a knife will never use it for anything else. They'll never say, you know, I need some cream cheese on my bread. I can't find a knife. Okay, you know what? Let me use my uh, Mohel's knife. Let me use my Isman. Let me, what are you, crazy? You're going to ruin the, the knife? You might ruin the baby next time you circumcise it, right? So you're not going to do that. You're very, very careful with your knife. So therefore, being that sickly, starting off as a klisimachdole sur, and you're very careful from using it for other purposes than its main purpose, a mohel's knife is in the category of mukse mahmat kis. So now that we establish that the mohel's knife is mukse mahmat kis, how do we do circumcision on Shabbat? 
Obviously, it's mutar. If, if you're lying the cutting on Shabbat, obviously, it's mutar to also move the knife. So that's not our question, really. Our question is not that how are you moving the knife. The question is, when a mohel finishes cutting, now what? What do you do then? What do you do with the knife after the milah is over? You don't need the knife anymore. So what do you do? You just told me two seconds ago, if it's in your hands, according to the opinions that say, drop it, so you have to drop it. But if you drop it, it might get ruined. So do we rely on the Magen Abraham in that case? Or is there a Mahlok in this such a case? And what about if the Mohel has to put it down? You know, after a Mohel is done, there's a lot of Mohalim do the Peri'ah. So if the Peri'ah has to be done, which is, you know, the extra rip that he does with his fingernails, when you put on the table now, okay, the Mila is over, you wrap the kid, you bandage the kid, you put on his diaper, and he's sent off. The Mohel is now standing there with his bag of ointments, but he has his Milan knife over there. Can he move it? He has no other bris that day. Is he allowed to move it? Or do we say, no, that's it. You don't have no more uses for it. So it's Muxin Ahmad's own keys. So all these questions really, there are opinions this way and that way. Whatever you may have answered, you probably got, a, got some opinions that hold like you. So I'm going to tell you the preferred way to do it. And I believe a lot of Muhalim do the same thing. The Milan knife is in a special case. should be placed in a special case. And that case... The Mohel should place something that's very, very important to him. That that's very, very important to him. Like some people told me, some Mohalim told me they place their wife's diamond ring. Wow, she lets you. <laughs> You're lucky she's not using a shaitan knife on you. Okay, so see, they place something very, very valuable to them, but it's a klisim in that knife case. So now when they come to the Beit Milah, they open up the case, they have the knife there, and let's say this diamond ring. After they finish the Milan, when they have to put the Milan knife down, they, pull, they put it in the case. And now the case becomes a basis, and since for this person, his wife's diamond ring is much more important than his Milan knife, so therefore he's allowed to move the whole case together, including inside of it the Milan knife, and place it away whatever he likes. That's the preferred way to do it, according to all opinions, and you'll say, she, all the opinions. However, the minhag is not that way. The minhag in the Ramah brings down in Yoredi'ah, in his Siman Ressamik Vav, is that even though he puts it down, he picks up the knife, he places it away afterwards. The Taz has this explanation over there, because, again, the same reason we were material, because otherwise people will not perform Brit Milah. There are Heterim, the, the minhag is that you could do it in such a way without having to place the diamond ring in your case. So if you see Muhalim on Shabbat, that they don't do such a thing, they have what to rely on. There is the minhag that the Ramah brings down. But, like we said, in general, a person has to be careful in all these halakhot, in areas that people look at it as funny. And this is very, very important. People have to keep this in mind. And that, you know what, will lead us into the next halakhot of the three weeks. We want to talk about the halakhot of the three weeks, but before we get that, I want to say like a small idea that's connected to it. There's a lot of things that may be mutar on Shabbat, like what we're learning right now, and we're going to learn soon the things that are mutar during this three weeks, but a person has to be careful that even in areas where it's mutar, you have to be careful when you're around other people, even though you may know something is mutar, if you believe that by you doing a coin to halakha, it will cause other people to, uh, it will cause the, 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 the holiness of Shabbat, or the laws of Muqsay to be lowered in their eyes, so then you should be Mahmir, even though the Akha permits it. And don't say, well, I have my Gen Abraham, I have the Gra, and I have this one. Don't, we know the Shitot. 
You have to be careful that, to keep, make sure that the honor of Shabbat should be kept. Are you wrong by do, doing what says in Halakha? Sometimes yes. Even though Halakha permits it, sometimes you can do what Halakha says and you can still be wrong. How is that so? How, how, how is that so? And the answer is because, keep in mind, one of the main reasons why they made the halachot of Muqseh on Shabbat is because the way Shabbat has to be looked differently. Shabbat has to look differently in the way you talk, in the way you walk, in the way uh, you, th- not the way you think, but the way you talk, the way you, you walk, and the way you dress, and everything else. Havatecha and Dibur and all these things, all the halachot that we read, that we, that we learned in the past. And one of the things also, the way you handle things. Even to the point that they were gozer, that you can't move anything on Shabbat to, to preserve the sanctity of Shabbat. So we don't have the power today to make gezerot on our own, but we have the intellect at least to think and to see that just because it says something that's mutar, in the, when the poskim brings something that's mutar, and certainly if you see mahlokit in something, don't go ahead and be so, if you're a rabbi, don't be so you know lenient on all these halachot, because you have to know who you're dealing with. If you keep on just saying, eh, it's nothing, people may look at it as, ah, anyway, the rabbi is very mekil mukseh, he says, yeah, they'll, they'll move things, they'll drive cars on Shabbat because they think, yeah, yeah, yeah it's mukseh, it's not a big issue. You have to be careful to preserve the sanctity of Shabbat. And if you see that, through the heterim, you're not, it's, it's, the sanctity of Shabbat is being lowered, you have the responsibility of making sure that it should not be lowered, and if you have to be stringent, be stringent on other people and on yourself. Now, if you're the posek, if you're the rabbi, you're entrusted with figuring out, sizing up the situation, and knowing when to say yes and when to say no. What we're learning here is what the poskim bring down is what you have a responsibility to do is to make sure that the idea of Shabbat should not go away, should not uh, be misused. Before I get to three weeks, I'm sorry again, I just want to answer one last question regarding mukseh, and that is, is a dead phone mukseh? And the answer is, certainly. A dead phone, I mean, I'm assuming you mean a phone that's not charged, or even a phone that's not working, uh, we'll get to the phone that's not working in a second. A dead phone, a phone that's not charged, is made that it should be working, it should made that it should make phone calls. So the, it's a klisim lachtole isur. If it's a phone that's not working anymore and you now have used it as a toy before Shabbat, you already have given it to your little babies or little toddlers in the house to pretend they're Abba or Mommy to walk around with a cell phone and it became a toy now, even though it used to work, but now it became like a toy. So then it has the deal of toys for kids. And regarding the laws of toys for kids, you may give it to the children. As far as you, how do you, you could handle it and you could move it. We have to talk about it when we get to toys and halachot of toys. Let's move on now to the laws of the three weeks. Before we get to the laws of three weeks, I want to share with you an idea from this week's parasha. Parashat, not this week coming up, but this last week, parashat Bil'am. Parashat Bil'am is a very, very interesting idea. Look in the Mishan Pekei Avot. Mishan Pekei Avot says, anybody yeah, that has three traits, the following three traits, what are the three traits? The three traits of Ayn, Toba, you look at people in a positive way. You don't see yourself as anything special or better than other people. You don't, you know, you give respect to other people, you understand that, you know, you're not the greatest guy in the world. And Nefesh Shefila, 
and you're not a person who dragged, who's dragged after the physical, the materialistic things of this world, you're considered like a student of Abraham Abinu. However, if you have the exact opposite of these three traits, which is Aina, ah, every time somebody has something good, you look at them, you know, look at them in a bad way, oh, why does he have to have it? Or the trait of Ruach Gebuha, you feel you're greater than anybody else, even in religious things. I'm the best guy. I know Halachot, I know Gemara, I know this. Ruach Gebuha. Or the last thing is Nefesh Rehaba, which is basically an unsatiated craving for materialistic things. You consider one of the students of Bilam. Okay, makes sense. Abraham, Bilam. It's funny. Why are you comparing Abraham Bil'am? Usually we compare Abraham Bil'am to Moshe Rabbeinu. They were both prophets. Why are we picking on Abraham? Okay, fine. But the next part of the Mishnah is very, very puzzling. The next part of the Mishnah says, What is the difference between the students of Abraham to the students of Bil'am? Whoa. You hear what the Quran is asking? What's the difference between the students of Abraham to the students of Bil'am? One second, I don't understand the question. What do you mean, what's the difference? First of all, you just told me three differences. That's number one. Number two is, it, it doesn't make sense. You know what you're saying? You're saying like this. Hakam Shalom was the Rav of Hakam Abadiyah Yosef Zatzal, Hakam Ben Sion Zatzal, Hakam Baruch Ben Hayim. You know that all the great Sfaradi Gedolim, and who just passed away, you know, Hakam was one of the last of them. And there's still other, Bedlul Hayim, Hakam all the great, great Sfaradi Gedolim were all taught by Hakam That was the rub of all of them. Okay? So now, imagine somebody would say, what's the difference between the students of Hakam and the students of Sigmund Freud? Who's Sigmund Freud? He's one of the biggest Menuvalim who was uh, a philosopher that said, do as you wish. He's Mamash Bil'am in the Gilgul. Right? What's the difference? How you compare them? What's the similarity? Why is it asking what's the difference between the students of Abraham and the students of Abraham? That's question number one. Now, the answer is even much harder to understand. What's the answer? The Mishnah answers, the students of Abraham, oh, they're going to have Olam Haba, and even in this world, they'll have a good. They'll enjoy this world. But the students of Abraham, they're going to have Gehinnam and Olam and when they get to Olam Haba, also forget it, it's Be'er Shahad, they're going to have a destructive life. What? That's what's the difference? I mean, why you, why you give me that difference? The difference is a huge world of difference. Just look at them and you'll see what the difference is. So what's the Mishnah trying to teach us? And the answer is, because we know as Bil'am as Bil'am Harasha, but we don't know Bil'am the way he was. If Had we been living in the times of Bil'am, we would not know what has, uh, we would not know anything that he, about his evil. And the only reason why we know is because Hazal told us. You know how Bil'am looked? Let me tell you a few Midrashim about Bil'am. One Midrash says that Bil'am was the greatest philosopher in the world. There was never a human being. Not a, not a go- there was never a human being as, as great as a philosopher as Bil'am. The Midrash, another Midrash says that Bil'am was even greater than Moshe Rabbeinu in three areas. He was able to look straight at the Shekinah. He knew exactly who spoke to him. Moshe Rabbeinu seems like he didn't even know. He was greater than Moshe Rabbeinu in that area. Greater than Moshe Rabbeinu. Yeah, that's Bil'am. In fact, the Gemara says in Berachot, Abul Azadan, Sanhedrin, it says that Bil'am, that Hashem gets, excuse me, Hashem gets upset one moment a day. How long is that moment? Take a second, divide it by 16 parts, 
One out of 16 parts, that's how long God gets upset. Per day. And Bil'am knew that moment. Nobody in the world could have figured it out, could have figured it out except for Bil'am. Wow. Talk about a different person, Bil'am. So why is he such a Russia? And that is, don't think Bil'am went around with a big sign saying, I am a Russia. I'm an evil person. No. Bil'am walked around. Had he been in our days, Bil'am walked around with a long coat, a long beard, a long peot, and he's got the hat. He's dressed like the biggest Tzaddik in the world. That's what Bil'am looked, back, looked like back then. What was so bad about him then? Well, Hazratullah, he suffered his dog. He did all types of terrible things. That was Bil'am. So, how could such a person... Whoa, now, so why are we comparing to Abraham Abinu? And the answer is, I'll tell you why. There's a huge difference. There's a very... It's one small difference, but it's a huge difference between Bil'am and Abraham Abinu. Where... Both of them, if you look in the Torah, you see the Balaam never did anything without Hashem's consent. Everything he did, he always asked the Rebbe, Rebbe, should I do this or should I do this? He came to God. Should I go with them or should I not go with them? So why is he so bad? And the answer is, that there are two types of people in the world. There are people, and two types of people, excuse me, how about this? Two types of people that will follow the Shuhana Ruch in the world. There are people that will follow what the Shuhana Ruch says, but, they may, but they're not doing what the Shahar Ruch wants. They're not doing what Hashem wants. They just follow what it says. They do what they want to do, but they'll find in Shahar Ruch for what they want to do, to justify what they want to do. And there are people who do what Hashem wants them to do, which is also according to the Shahar Ruch. When Hashem commanded Abraham to take his son for the Akira, you know what it says over there? It says, Kahna ibn Khas. Says the Ran. Why does it say the word na, please? Why is that word? Just kah. It's a command from God. Says the Rani, you know why? Because Hashem never commanded Abraham to take his son for a korban. Hashem told him like this, Abraham, please, if you like, I give you the option, if you like, to take your son. You don't have to, you don't have to. Only if you like to. You could take him. You could take him and bring him up as a korban. Imagine Abraham Abinu, what? I don't have to? No, you don't have to. But I know, but that's what Hashem wants, though. And what did Abraham do at the end? He sacrificed a son that he had after a hundred years. He was not a little kid, and he knew that he's sacrificing his, his life and perhaps his wife's life as well. By Bil'am, it's exact opposite. Bil'am comes to Hashem, God, I, you know, I, want, I need panasa, I need to make money, I want to go with these people to curse the Jewish people. God says, No, don't go. Okay, 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 I won't go. Next. Comes the next uh, night, he comes to God, he says, I, I need to go, I need to go, I need to make money. Okay, Hashem says, okay, you want to go, go. Says the Gemara, you can't learn from Balaam's story that God ex- approved of it. You learn from Balaam's story that, You want to go in a certain way? Hashem tells you, then go. I'm not going to force you not to. You want to go? I recommend, I told you already what I, what I want. I don't want you to go. This is what, what I want from you, not to go. You insist? No, do what you like. Don't come to me. Oh, God agreed. Look, everything I did, and he keeps on repeating in the parasha, I will not do anything unless God tells me. That's Bilam. That's the difference with Abraham Bilam. Both of them followed the Shohan Aruch. But, they didn't do what God wants. Bilam did not do what God wants. Abraham, what is it saying Shohan Aruch? Abraham was too mahmir. You're putting your son second out. Hashem didn't command you. Yeah, but that's what God wants. So even though it doesn't say, if that's what Hashem wants, then that's what I got to do. 
The laws of the three weeks, we're going to tell you things are mutar, things are not mutar. But when you look at how Hazal decreed on these three weeks, we can't listen to music, we can't make parties, uh, we, weddings, no, we don't make weddings in this way, we don't, like the Nama, we don't make weddings. So then, even though things, there are things that Hazal were not gozen, we cannot say Asur, and if you call me as a Ravan, I don't know who you are, I can't tell you it's Asur, but you have to think and say, you know what, where's my level, and what could I do in this period to join the Jewish people now, in our generation, and the Jewish people throughout all of history, and as a Sfarim tells us, and God in mourning for the destruction of Beit HaMikdash. Mutaro Asur will tell you. But you have to be wise, and you have to see, and size up the situation, and see what God wants from these halachot. So, we'll tell you now what's Mutar, what's Asur, and like we said, you know, you'll... It's your discretion to see how to apply these halakhot. And by the way, especially those who learn halakhot, especially people who are very into halakhot, where everything is mutaru asur, mutaru asur, mutaru asur, so sometimes it gets a little tricky. You know it's mutar, so why should I make it asur? No. This is mahlokit. And you see that 80% of the post scheme said not that way. And 20% who were matir, okay, so you follow 10, 10%. You follow the people who are lenient. But at the end of the day, if you see so much mahmirim, try to be mahmir. Don't just take the kula and go ahead and just, you know, live with it. You're right, the Poseg is going to tell you according to what it says in the book. But you, again, have to be wise and see what God wants from the Salakha. So let's tell you a little bit first what the dates are. From July 4th, which was this past Shabbat, until July 26th, which is on the Sunday, uh, is the period of the three weeks known as the Ben Hametanim. Next week, Friday, July 17th, is Rosh Chodesh Av, which begins the period of the nine days, which we will talk about next week, Wednesday, but that's in, in, in more in length. And then finally, Sunday, July 26th, is the fast of the Shabi Av, although on the calendar, it will say Asiri Be'av, which we'll talk about in two weeks, because the laws a little bit more lenient because it's a ta'ni that's nidha, a little bit more lenient. What are we allowed to do and not allowed to do in the three weeks? We mentioned last week that one has to be careful in this three weeks, not, you know, especially in, from the fourth hour from the morning, which is, let's say, around eight o'clock until, I don't know, two o'clock, three o'clock, no, maybe more, uh, like four o'clock, five o'clock, that one should be careful of what he does, there's a special demon out there, and one has to be careful in these, in these times. Weddings. According to Shohan Aruch, weddings are permitted up to Rosh Chodesh Av. However, all the Sfaradim, although they follow Shohan Aruch, but in Chutzah, the Minhag was to follow the Ramad, is that we don't make weddings in the three weeks, like the Ashkenazim. In Eretz Israel, especially in Yerushalayim, they do have a Minhag that they could make weddings up to Rosh Chodesh Av, but again, in that case, each person has to consult the Rav. Ben Yishai and a lot of other Aharonim, here also in America, we follow the Ramah, we don't make weddings or parties with music in the three weeks. Now, music is forbidden. As you hear on the radio, and sometimes we apologize, by the way, on the radios we have, sometimes a song will slip here and there. You know, it's under the a cappella section, but sometimes, you know, it could be the ones, you know, track that may have some musical instruments. So we don't listen to anything with musical instruments. Likewise, dancing, even without music, is forbidden on during the three weeks. So if you want to say, ah, yeah, 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 and you just want to dance in a circle, that's also forbidden, even though there's no musical instruments. The only exceptions to listening to music are if a person is depressed, 
then music is not entertainment anymore. Music has become a medicine for him, and therefore it will be permitted to listen to music then. Or if a person wants to sing without music, regular singing is mutar to listen even to recorded music. I mean, excuse me, to recorded people. Uh, just singing regular, it's also permitted. When we say music is forbidden, you should know, throughout the year, it's not so simple to listen to music. But during the three weeks, even recorded music, even according to those who are lenient to listen to music throughout the year, we don't listen to music at all in the three weeks. Next, the post came to speak about Berchat Shehayanu. One should not say Shehayanu in these three weeks, because Shehayanu means that Hashem made us alive and brought us to this time. This time is the time of mourning. We don't like this time. We want the time when the Beit HaMikdash is built and we're not mourning. So we don't say Shehayanu on a new fruit or new clothing. This does not mean you cannot buy new clothing. Buy new clothing, but if it's a cloth, if it's something that you have to say Shehayanu on it, don't wear it till after the three weeks. However, in cases where you can, you're going to lose out on Shehayanu, it's Shehayanu that you have to say at that time. For example, a brit milah or pidyon haben, even though it's in the three weeks, we do say the bracha of shehayanu. Also, poskim bring down that there's a special fruit that's seasonal, and after tashabeab you won't find it, and now you came across it and you want to make shehayanu on it, if it's possible, then you could say shehayanu also then, although it's better then to keep it on Shabbat. Likewise, if there's a new fruit in the market, and it is around after tashabeab, but a woman who is pregnant or sick people, they have to eat it, they can say it, they can say shahiyanu, it's not a problem. Haircuts and shaving, we, we the Sfaradim, this year, could take haircuts all the way up to uh, a day or two before Tisha B'Av. Ashkenazim, however, are stringent. Those who want to be Mahmir like the Ashkenazim, of course, you could be Mahmir, like we said before. In these, in these things of mourning for the Beit HaMidash, whatever you could do for mourning Beit HaMidash, you could do Bahurei Yeshivat, the Poskim Bridan. Saradi Bahurei Yeshivat, the learning by Ashkenazim should not shave because everywhere else is not shaving, so you don't want to stick out. One final thing is, we mentioned in the past, the Ariza says Bahatsot Yom, which is 1 p.m. in the three weeks. Now, in these three weeks, a person should recite Tikkun. He didn't say Tikkun Rahim, but you know, based on all the Ahronim, the Hida adds, one should mourn the Beit HaMikdash by reciting Tikkun Rahim in midday. Tikkun Hatzot every night But Tikkun Hatzot Which is only specific Tikkun Ahel In these three weeks Should be said In the middle of the day And does a big Tikkun It's very very important The only times you don't say it Is on Arab Shabbat Or Rosh Hodesh Or Arab Rosh Hodesh And obviously On Shabbat itself Okay We're up on time Next week We'll be talking about The laws Of the nine days, and if you have any questions, you can call in right now, 718-683-5858. I want to thank Iran, Nasan, and the whole Jade Radio staff for all the help, and for you for listening. Have a wonderful week.